What if your husband doesn't have to change for you to have a wonderful marriage? I'm Charlotte Shields, founder of Charlotte Shields Coaching. I thought my husband needed to change in order for me to be happy and feel good. If you haven't noticed, trying to change husbands does not work. You don't have to feel lonely, stuck, or just plain bored anymore. I have real answers of how to elevate your miserable, mediocre, or even marvelous marriage. I believe in marriage miracles. Why, you might ask? Because I got my miracle. My marriage was miserable, and now it's amazing. I know you can have the marriage you're craving. I'm going to take you behind the scenes in creating your marriage miracle. It's simple, but it's not easy. Nothing worth having ever is. So stick around. I'll make sure you learn what it takes to create the marriage you've always hoped for. So I have my sister here today. We are actually visiting together. I'm at her house. And as you can tell, she gave me the better room for this recording. So thanks for that. Uh, Her name is Cindy Allred and she lives in Menden, Utah. She and her husband, Brian, have seven children and eight grandchildren. She's a licensed nurse, a certified life coach, and also a grief educator. And she's been speaker at BYU Widow and Widowers Conference and also a guest on BYU Radio. So she's the host of the Suicide Lost to Light podcast, and she helps others who have had a loved one die by suicide. She is my sister. So if we sound alike, you're not going crazy. (laughs) And 15 years ago, her first husband died by suicide, and now she's remarried. So she has a unique perspective on marriage, and I think she is a great person to talk to about marriage for sure. So Cindy, what would you say is the difference between this marriage and your last marriage? Well, Shari, thanks so much for having me on. This is so fun to have a sister's chat today. So I would say the biggest difference between being married to my first husband and my second is that I didn't have these tools that I have now that I've learned through the life coach school with my first husband. And so things were really rocky and they, you know, would have been hard any, anyway. I think that, that every marriage is difficult, but right from the get-go, we um, started finding fault in each other in my first marriage. And, and very quickly, you know, it's interesting because when you criticize someone, then it's easy for you to then criticize back. Like, I'm going to look for things then that I don't like about you. And that's kind of what happened in my first marriage. And it was just a spiral downward where with this marriage to my second husband, marriage is so easy for me because it's interesting because my, my husband, Brian, he'll, he'll say, you know, our marriage is so good because of you. And I will say, no, it's not because of me. It's because of you. You are so kind to me that how can I not be kind to you? And, and when you have this, um, just respect and you're building each other up all the time, then it's easy to have an upward spiral. So yeah, it's, there are quite a few differences, um, just in the way that we treat it and even just the way we started out. So 
Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I know that you had quite a few struggles from the very, like you said, the very get-go with your first husband. And so it's been awesome to see the contrast between the two as I've watched, because I've known you this whole time. So I, I would like to talk a little bit about how I know that you have talked about how hard COVID was on your relationship with the husband you have now. So can you talk about that and how you got through it and what helped and what didn't help? And you bet. Yeah, it's, it was so interesting because we had been married nine years by that time. And like I said, it had been pretty easy. We just enjoy being together. We're best friends. We have, you know, he's a great listener and I like to talk. So that's always very helpful to, to have a spouse who will, you know, listen to all of your things. And, but he had just retired in January of 2020. And so then 2020 hits, you know, this, this whole scare of the virus and the pandemic and, and all of the expectations that he and I had both had when he retired, none of those happened because, you know, we were going to go to ball games together and lots of concerts and we were going to start traveling and all these things that we couldn't do when 2020 hit. And, and then he also had a few health challenges. So it was just a lot at one time, you know, we weren't as social as we'd always been as, as probably all of you experienced. And so the men, our mental health was, was um, struggling and especially he'd never really had depression before. And, but during this time with everything that was happening in the world and the fears, and then combined with his retirement, he started to really struggle with some bouts of depression. And that was, you know, kind of triggering for me because I had dealt with that for 18 and a half years with my first husband, and then he died by suicide. And so that, you know, was, was a very difficult thing. And so I immediately thought, well, I need to fix him. I need to make him happy. And so I would, I would lecture and I'd say, well, maybe you should try this and maybe you, sh you should eat these things. And, or it was, yeah, it was not a good thing. It was not helpful for me um, to, to lecture him. And then if he weren't happy or wasn't following through with my suggestions, then I wanted to control him and then manipulate him in other ways. And, and I had the life coaching school. So then, you know, all the life coach training. So I was, you just have to change your thoughts and that's not helpful when, you know, you're kind of, you're depressed. And so what ended up happening was I thought, well, I just need to be sad then because how rude is it if I'm happy when he is sad? And so I started kind of mirroring his emotion of sadness and I was getting down and this was just not a good time for either of us. And that's when I decided to really um, write down what all my thoughts were. And Shari, have you taught the model yet? Did you teach the model on this podcast yet? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, there's something called, called a model that I'm sure Shari will get into, but it's basically that we we look at our thoughts and then we determine what what our feelings are from that and 
when I, when I figured that out on paper, I realized that there really wasn't any upside to me feeling sad. And, and so I thought, okay, this is really uncomfortable. And I think this is, this is going to seem kind of mean, but I am going to decide how I want to feel. And then I am going to just have that emotion for the day. And that didn't mean that I was not compassionate because I would, I could see that he would be sad and I would go to him and I would put my arm around him and tell him how much I loved him. And I, and I would say to him, you know, is there any, I would ask him, is there anything I can do? How can I support you? And, and if, you know, usually it was no, you know, there's nothing you can do to help me. I'm doing okay. I'll be all right. And, and then I would just decide, okay, then I am just going to try to be happy. And so that's what I did. And I would go about my day and I would share things that, that were happy in my life. And I tried to feel the joy that, and see the, the optimistic and good things in my life. And it was so surprising because I had expected that that might be hard on Brian, but it actually did just the opposite because he had, you know, kind of, he had felt guilty thinking that he was the one making me sad. And so he wasn't just sad, but he was re taking responsibility for my sadness when I acted sad. And it added this whole other level of anxiety and um, for him, which was so not helpful. And so when I could be happy regardless of how he was it changed the whole mood in our home and it was like this darkness kind of lifted and I could tell that it was helping it was helpful for him it was like the most loving thing that we could do that I could do for both of us not just for me and so I have really, a question I have a question yeah. about that so he is really sad and you're acting super happy. How does he not feel bugged by that? Yeah, I like, actually, what did he say about that? Did you ask yeah, him? Yeah, I actually asked him because I was worried. I, you know, I thought, what if, what if he doesn't think I'm caring? So I said to him, is this really hard on you when I'm acting happy and you are so sad? And he said, no, this is so helpful. I really want you to be happy. I mean, that's what he really wanted. And what I realized was that me trying to make him happy or me acting like he was acting was so unhelpful to both of us. I mean, it was harmful to my mental health to try to be something that I wasn't. It was like I was lying and and wasn't being authentic and it was really harmful for both of us for me to do that. But how is it that you could be, so this is a tricky question. How is it that you could be happy when he's so sad and it's okay? Because wouldn't his being sad make you sad? Do you get it? Well, yeah. Oh, for sure. And it wasn't like I did not feel for him. Like I would have loved if I could have taken a magic wand and 
said, be happy. And he would have been able to be happy. But I knew that I could not create that for him. I had learned through these tools that he, through his thoughts, create his own emotions. And I do the same for me. So I knew that his, but, but depression's tricky. And, and this is something to realize is that all the thought work in the world sometimes is not able to pull people out of some depression. And that's when you kind of have to seek professional help and you have to have some other, um, some doctors and therapists and counselors help you. And so, and he, he, you know, had, had gotten to that point where he needed some extra help. And so, but I knew that, that I couldn't control him, but I could control me. And so how was I wanting to be during this really hard time for both of us? And what I had realized was that my belief that me being sad was going to help him was actually not helping him at all. And I think when we try to make people be something, make them feel something that they aren't able to feel either because they can't, or they don't want to feel that way, that we just cause more problems for both of us. And so it was, it was so interesting to actually try that out and say, okay, what's this going to be like if I am happy and he's sad? Will, will that even be okay? Will our marriage stay together? Will he think I'm uncaring? You know, and what it actually did was, was just increase the emotion for both of us to, for him to not feel, feel so weighed down by me, but for me to not be so affected by his emotion and thinking that I needed to be when I didn't. So would you say if, uh, if someone's in a relationship and their spouse is depressed, so do you think that the life coaching tools are best for the person who's not depressed to deal with it? Or do they both need the life coach tools or what would you say as far as that goes? Like, did you, I'm sure you talked to him about life coach tools and did they help him or was it a different route? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I think that the life coach school, the, the, the tools that they teach us to just know that we are responsible for our own emotions are helpful for everyone because then you're not trying to, um, yeah, manipulate or try to control or try to change somebody else's emotions. But he, and also, I mean, I, he didn't even know if he would be helped by professionals, if he really needed that help. And I didn't know that either. And, and so, you know, we thought, well, will this pass? Could this get better? And we, you know, and he would try because he, I was teaching him some of these principles. He would tell me, you know, I'm trying some of these and I'm trying to have better thoughts. And honestly, sometimes it would help a little, but we realized that over a period of time that it was, it wasn't just thoughts that were going to be helpful for him mm -hmm. and to completely take care of what, mm -hmm. what his emotional needs were, but for sure there were times that, that when he could get himself to really 
think a different thought and have and feel some, some a little more joy, it was definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's really good to hear because you want to hear real life situations with real marriages. Like what? Because I think there were plenty of depressed people during COVID. So does has he found tools and things that work for him now? And what what does it look like now? Yeah, so he was able to get into a counselor and he actually has tried a couple different medications and and often this is the case in depression where you will try something and it doesn't work and you can feel like nothing's going to work for me nothing's going to help and you just have to keep you know trying other things until yeah he's he's on something that has been helpful for him and and he, he you know even the doctor said you probably won't have to be on this very long. It's just getting those endorphins back up to where they're, you know, the normal level where when you go through something that's really, really difficult, a lot of times you deplete those and you need help. And, and sometimes people aren't even helped by the, the medicines. And, you know, I look at the world today and at what's going on with, you know, us looking like we may go into a recession and finances can be stressful and children are struggling, you know, and just, there are just, it's a troubled world. And, and there are going to be times when you feel down and there are going to be times when your spouse feels down. There are going to be times when your kids feel down. And, and when we feel like we are any, in any way responsible for their emotions, we can make things worse. And, when we feel like we need to fix them and think that that it's a problem that they are down or that they're sad, you know, that can really be harmful to relationships because you're trying to fix them and they don't want to be fixed and there is nothing to be fixed. It's just a day that they need to feel sad or they need to be down or they need to, you know, and then I think if it lasts a long period of time and and you've tried everything that you know how to do, and maybe even before that, that it can be very helpful to reach out for help and, you know, get professional, um, just have an idea of what's, what's available. And, and it may just look like counseling. It could be, it could look like maybe some changes in behaviors, you know, a lot of people, they just have to work out and that's helpful. And some people really need a medication. So it's different for every person also. Yeah. So I think my last question is basically what, okay. So if you could go back in time, what would this self that knows everything that, you know, tell the Cindy that started this COVID thing and all of a sudden you have all these plans to go on trips and have fun and enjoy his retirement. And then you're stuck in the house for two years. Like what would that Cindy tell the Cindy now? Like what would be the takeaway mostly for all of it? Yeah, I would have been way more compassionate. I, as far as not wanting him to change in any way, I just would have put my arm around him and said, you know, I'm so sorry. And, and I want to support you. And then I would have just been me. I wouldn't have tried to fake 
anything like fake my sadness or try to be more happy to make him happy, I would have realized, okay, these are his emotions and they're coming from his thinking and, and maybe um, imbalances that he's experiencing, but that is separate from me. You know, I am a, I'm a separate individual and I have my, my different thoughts that will create my feelings. And I think whenever we can just be authentic and be who we are, then it's always helpful to our partner to just be honest, you know, just be truthful. So, yeah, I think that, that would be, that takes some vulnerability too, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Do but I that mean, is what brings closeness, you know, because otherwise you're not close, right? You're, you're, it's, it's not easy to, to feel connected when you're faking it and you're pretending and it's just hard, way harder. But it's a scary place to be when you're not quite sure what's going on. And you're like, if I'm happy, is this going to ruin our marriage? And I want this marriage to work and I want it to last. And so if I act happy and he's sad, so I can see how you can spin on this if you don't have the principles that we have. That yeah, for sure. And I and I think that's why I did it, it wrong so long. I did it wrong for a lot of months until I think I really realized it when it was affecting my mental state mm -hmm. and my emotions. And I, I realized, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this in this way that I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought, okay, it's worth trying this other thing because definitely this isn't working mm -hmm. for me to also be sad or for me to try to make him happy that that's mm -hmm. not working. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get to a place where, okay, I, I'm going to try this just this experiment and see how it goes. If I'm happy and he's sad, is that going to be okay? And when it was, it was such a huge lesson for me and I use it now all the time. I mean, I have a son that really struggles with depression and I know it's going to be better if I am acting normal with him and I'm being myself and I'm not trying to fake this and, and I'm just loving him for who he is. And it's just so much, it's just like, like you say, being yourself and being vulnerable, it builds that relationship and where the other doesn't. So, well, this has been phenomenal. I am so thankful you came on and helped me out and talk to this because I know it'll help a ton of people. So thanks sure. so much. And thanks so much for letting me be on with you. Sure. We'll see you later. See you. You can expect miracles, everybody.